0: Wow, what a day. First day of NBA free agency, but more importantly, the last day of the previous season in which we saw two big trades, one of them massive and completely unexpected. We'll get into the Paul George trade, the Rubio trade, all the signings that happened. Jeff Teague, someone, I think was the only guy to change teams, but we've also got guys returning to their teams as well. Blake Griffin. Tony Snell, Cristiano Felicio, Steph Curry, Sean Livingston. We're going to get to all those in a moment. We're sponsored today by Transistor. Owner Jay Ratkowski is a dunked-down listener. You can go to jfet.io slash catspace. That's jfet.io slash catspace and get a comprehensive audit of your site with recommendations you can use yourself for 50% off their normal price. And buy Quip toothbrushes. Go to quip.com slash to get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush, which I happen to like way better than more conventional electric toothbrushes. It seems like we've been saying this a lot lately, Danny, but man, what a fleecing.
1: My feeling on this is actually very similar to the Jimmy Butler trade, where the issue might not have been that this was like that. The other offers were so heinously bad, though, that could be a possibility. It could also be just that the receiving team, in this case, the Indiana Pacers, overvalued what they got in return for their star.
0: I wouldn't say, yeah, or wrongly valued it. The trade, of course, Paul George for... Victor Oladipo and Demantis Sabonis. George in the last year of his deal. This trade will have to wait until July 6th to be completed because uh, the math on Oladipo with his extension kicking and he, he they can't trade can't happen until then. George making 19 million in the last year of his deal. Oladipo due to make 21 million flat over the next four years and then throw in Sabonis' salary and it's another 2.5. So the Thunder actually save about 4 million bucks off their luxury tax bill next year in addition to getting you know top 15 player in the NBA to play with Russell Westbrook
1: I think the best way I can articulate how big a fleecing this is is that even if Paul George is a rental which is the way that I am treating it until I get noticed to change my opinion this is still an a trade for the Thunder
0: yes I I agree with you on that I I mean I think uh, and we'll get to the Celtics in a minute too because there's so much smoke around them at this point but Oladipo and would he get this much as not not even a restricted region as an unrestricted free agent on the market this year I mean I think he theoretically is a two-way shooting guard who can create a little bit but you know, he couldn't guard James Harden in the playoffs he couldn't even guard Lou Williams in the playoffs he's always looked like he was going to be this great defender that was his reputation coming out of college coincidentally Indiana University does, does this uh deal actually happen if he didn't go to Indiana that's an interesting question but you know he's not really that great on either end of the floor and how old is is he now like 25
1: yeah he just turned 25 in may so he'll be 25 for the entirety of the season his career high per was 16.7 his final year in orlando 36 13.6 last year with exactly the same true shooting as the year before he just upped his he upped his three-point attempt rate and really decreased his free throw attempt rate as a member of the thunder
0: yeah and while the the thunder didn't exactly have the most egalitarian system. You'd have to say that he kind of failed in his role as a, even a secondary creator. Now he will be asked likely in Indiana to be their primary creator off the bounce, or, you know, it could be Monte Ellis. (laughs) Uh, and so, I mean, you could, you see that like what the thinking was is like, okay, we're getting a young prospect who could be a quality starter in Sabonis. And we're getting another guy who like still has some star potential in Oladipo they're just wrong about both those things
1: yeah i mean the the question of whether victor oladipo passes the Nene slash asset test is a fascinating one because i think he's a talented player i also think he's as you kind of alluded to he's strangely overrated defensively like he has had some moments and oklahoma city was very good defensively this past season but i don't think of oladipo as like the reason that happened they had stephen adams they had andre robertson and you know and and overall they they worked really hard and i'm oladipo deserves some credit for that and then offensively he's a decidedly mixed bag he's certainly not what I hoped he would be and so you sit there and you say okay well what is that player worth you know like maybe maybe he's fairly paid maybe it's about that about that so if that's true he's not a big asset because he's being properly paid he is young he can get better but it's a big it's a big problem if that's basically the best thing you get back because Sabonis yes he played a lot as a rookie but he didn't show me that much to say oh he He's going to be a great player.
0: Yeah. Sabonis did show a little bit better feet than would have been expected for him coming out of Gonzaga but his three-point shooting, he started off quite well. That proved to be a mirage. He barely took any in college. I mean, he's going to have to be a stretch four. That's going to be his role, uh, but you know, he also never, ever got to the foul line. And part of the idea is like, oh, he could be a guy who could you know get into the post against mismatches, but because he goes right shoulder, shoots with his left hand every single time, he's very predictable and easy to stop, even with a, a big size advantage. And so, even if he, this is a, a big problem that I had just generally in the draft with a lot of the selections too, is even if he becomes like what you hope he would become, he realistically could be, you know, maybe he's a guy who shoots some threes, can get into the post a little bit against mismatches, you know, can play decent conventional pick and roll defense, probably never going to be a good enough switch defender because his arms are too short. But that player just doesn't really help you that much these days. He's just not versatile enough and, and he can't get off the ground and protect the rim at all. So, he can't play center. So it's just, you know, kind of what's the point of this guy, you know, and especially when you already have Miles Turner is really a, another conventional big. He doesn't make a ton of sense to me in terms of the fit other than just, you know, maybe he becomes a great stretch forward, but you're still there's not really that much to indicate that that's going to happen. So there's some, but not much. So it's really and this was funny too i thought of all the you know three all nba players basically george didn't make it but he's that type of quality got traded in the last week jimmy butler chris paul and george And i thought the clippers who were basically losing their guy for nothing if they didn't comply with a sign and trade they actually got a better package than either of the other two teams did
1: substantially better i mean patrick beverly is the best player in either of those deals and yeah Low- the number seven pick that became Lowry Markkinen is the best pick but i mean. Beverly is, is a talented player on a great contract they also got back a what's probably going to be a bad a low first from the Rockets Sam Decker is a good player like I don't even think it's close and that's pretty remarkable and also we trashed the Jimmy Butler trade in terms of the return for the Bulls and justifiably so I, I stand by every single thing I said there this return is worse and that's pretty amazing too granted you would expect yeah. that a Paul George return would be worse than a Jimmy Butler return because he only has one year remaining on his contract it's based basically impossible to extend him. So you have all that running together, but you get more than this.
0: Well, perhaps you do. We got to talk a little bit more about OKC, too, and how how they're going to project. Finishing up with Indiana, though, with George out of the picture, Jeff Teague having signed in Minnesota, the Pacers are looking at $25.4 million in space. Also, we should mention that the salary cap came in the exact amount, very close to the $99 million that had been predicted, 99093000 And the luxury tax is 119,000 or one hundred nineteen million two hundred sixty-six thousand. So there's basically a $20 million gap between the cap and the tax. Somebody to remember because the tax is going to kick in for a lot of these teams here. So the Pacers, 25 million in space. They don't have a point guard unless it's going to be Oladipo or Monte Ellis. And uh, oh yeah, kind of a little hole at the three there too.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, so the one of the big questions here is kind of what are the Pacers going to do? Do they? I mean, they're. It seems to me like they're not going to be competitive just because they don't have the personnel at this point. They don't have the ability to replace the guys that they lost. But they have a coach that you know is probably coaching for his life to a point. They have yeah, I think he only got a three
0: year deal, actually, a pretty cheap one.
1: So you have a couple of these big things running together, and I, I just, I just think there's a lack of a lack of vision here, and again. This is repeating the Jimmy Butler thing, but it's important. If this was the best offer they had, they should have just moved forward with him. And there's, yeah. I mean, you why not just be... like
0: try and like try and like sign Kyle Lowry or something like that, or or I mean, I guess they they figured Teague was leaving and they had already traded, uh, or they'd already let him go and they traded George, obviously. But yeah, I mean, they 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 had better options than this, you know. I mean, they really like trying to compete around George and, and, and just, just like you know make a little money in a first round playoff. He's like, that's a better outcome to me get, than getting these guys
1: or just wait until if this is your option wait until the trade deadline figure out a team that's outperforming expectations and get you know like a mid a mid first round pick for them i would rather have that yeah. than what they got
0: or or even just to like trade him for like two first rounders and just like into some team's salary cap space you know or, or to like denver for a couple of their guys into some team's salary Lottery cap tickets. space you have to think you have to think that like even Denver could have beaten this offer, right? Like even for a for a rental, and we'll, we still got to get to the Celtics, of course, but who clearly had the assets and reportedly made a far superior offer uh, to George. We did not hear that from uh, uh, from them on Butler, so you know, that's, that's, uh, this is a little bit different, but I, I think, yeah, this was just because again, like you're, you're hamstringing, you're rebuilding with, you know, $21 million to relatively mediocre guys. My hope is of course that they'll just sign some budget three. There are like no threes on the market instead of being like, okay, let's throw our 25 million at Danilo Gallinari and, you know, try to win 35 games next year. Um, That could be what they end up doing. They certainly have always been very low to rebuild there. But I think especially because the market is going to be tight for cap space, they could pick up some more assets. Of course, they'll just choose the wrong ones. And, and, you know, it's funny, Rob Mahoney tweeted... That, you know, th- this shows the danger of like not moving fast enough on, on trading these guys. That's probably true. They probably could have gotten more for George at the deadline. but And George, the reporting is indicated from Sam Amick, had a meeting with Herb Simon and uh, discussed the idea that he, you know, unless they could build a contender on him that he would be moving on and you know, Larry bird's like, all right, we'll try and build a contender. And, and you know, wasn't realistic about that. And then he left, uh, but certainly Kevin Pritchard and they actually just uh, brought in Chad Buchanan from the Hornets. although I don't think he was involved yet uh, to, to be Pritchard's number two. Sure. It seems like Larry bird wasn't the only problem in their front office. Apparently
1: yeah and and we're starting to see some of the differences i mean people of course of course made the connection with the west and the eastern conference now there was this doubt that espn had with nba oh, rank that now 13 of the top 14 players in nba rank are in the western conference so i mean yeah and
0: Giannis was was ranked too low like he would be right. in that but outside of him outside of him and lebron i mean who i mean i guess and, and john wall would probably be up there too wall was coming off a down year at that time last year this is from september but i mean you get the point
1: there are more teams in the West with multiple players in the top 14 than there are Eastern Conference players in the top 14 that's right that's absolutely insane and
0: all right well yeah go ahead sorry
1: go ahead no i it was nothing too important I mean we'll see where this goes and the other crazy part is like so if you treat Paul George as a rental which I would it feels to me like the most likely place he goes if he leaves Oklahoma City is to a different Western Conference team and so it's not like this talent shift is changing anytime soon
0: I mean I can't complain like I moved from the Eastern Conference to the Western Conference about ten years ago, and I'm, uh, <laughs> I've been loving every second of it. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, we got much more to get to here. We got to talk about Boston, their failure to get George, the Cavs' failure to get George. You could put Denver probably into that category as well. Hell, you could probably put Phoenix into that category with what this package ended up being. Again, you know, if if they're going to be dumb enough to think this is a good package that's better, there's only so much you can do, but. And then we also got to talk about Georgia's fit in Oklahoma City, what that team is going to look like now, where they might fall in the Western Conference hierarchy. But first, I want to tell you about Transistor. I was approached by their owner, Jay Ratkowski. He is a dunked-on listener, big Bucks fan. Got to be relatively pleased with the Tony Snell re-signing. Seems like a reasonable number. We'll talk about that, of course, later. So uh, Transistor asked the question about your online business. Are you trying to grow your business online? Uh, If changes from Google cause a sudden drop in your traffic, Transistor can help you get on the right track. They help medium to large companies improve their online business through advertising, search engine optimization, web analytics, and more. Jay actually helped me to get my website set up, which I had long dilly-dallied about. I'm really glad I did. So it's a great one-stop shop now, nateduncanmba.com. You can check it out to see some of his work. And he actually gave me some pretty good ideas already, some which we haven't had a chance to implement yet because it's been crazy. But one thing he did do, which was a great idea, was adding the term NBA to the name of the show because obviously a lot of people in iTunes will search for NBA in a podcast. And now only a month later, the show is one of the top five search results when you search NBA. And we're actually pretty high up for basketball. So that's why we have this cumbersome name. You wouldn't think it would be a good idea. It's called it the Dunked On Basketball NBA Podcast. But now it's in those search results. So, and our our listenership has actually been up since we did that. So Jay, obviously, he loves Dunktown. He loves the community, wanted to find some like-minded people to work with. So if you're responsible for marketing a brand on the web, looking to help, you can skip all the hassle of trying to recruit and hire someone give Transistor a try. You get the full range of services of an agency with the personal attention of a consultant. And for Dunktown listeners, you can go to jfet.io, jfet.io slash capspace, and you get a comprehensive audit of your site with recommendations that you can use yourself for Five hundred dollars. That's fifty percent off their normal price. One more time. That is JFET JFET.io/slash cap space. So from the Celtics standpoint, now it's been some reporting from Jeff Goodman and Adam Hill's back of the Boston Globe. I've actually been told the same thing by a source that they were that their offer at the trade deadline even included the brooklyn pick that eventually became number one i didn't hear that but i only heard what their current offer was uh i'm a little skeptical of that reporting from uh, because i think they at least would have tried to protect that brooklyn pick but they obviously were going to offer more going into a playoff run and also at a time when the cavaliers looked exceedingly vulnerable that certainly did not turn out to be the case And also, George, you know, they were probably thinking, oh, this guy will help us get home court advantage as well. Maybe we can get to the finals, convince him to stick around. Uh, Cleveland was looking much more vulnerable at that time than they ended up looking. But apparently, what I heard and, and what has been reported elsewhere, their offer was, was the... Memphis pick top eight protected in 2019 top six protected in 2020 unprotected in 2021 it's a pretty one of the more premium picks that's out there actually I think Memphis gonna be bad by that point the 2019 Clippers pick that is lottery protected for a couple of years and then turns into two seconds that one actually has probably gone down in value a little bit with Chris Paul leaving because the Clippers might actually be in the lottery during those years it wouldn't surprise me but still, you know, it turns into two seconds. Boston's own first round I'm not sure which one, but a future first runner. You'd guess probably 2018 because they have you know, uh, these other picks that year. They probably want to move that one. Jay Crowder, fantastic asset. Much better asset than either of the guys going from Oklahoma City with still three years at like $7 million a year left on his contract as a, as a quality starter. And Marcus Smart, that would have been the salary matching. Unbelievable that they would not. That if that really was the offer, and I, I maintain a little bit of skepticism about that because it seems so ridiculous to me that they could think the so. I mean, OKC offer was better because both Crowder and Smart to me are better assets than either of the guys that were in the the OKC deal when you consider how much Ol- Oladipo was getting paid.
1: And much, even if you don't think that Jay Crowder, Marcus Smart fit within what whatever it is that Indiana thinks they want to do you can trade them for other things it's the whole oh twenty dollars i wanted a peanut it's that whole issue again and yeah I just twenty dollars can buy many peanuts and just, just do that
0: <laughs> money could be exchanged for goods and services yeah it's it's uh well and i you would imagine if that that the conversation was something like this like Oh, uh, hey, Boston! That's not a good enough offer. And the reports were that, like, and this is actually an interesting idea with the, uh about negotiations and anchoring and expectations. I think it, it, it's kind of similar to where you know the designated player veteran extension has almost led to more of these guys being traded because it's like now you can't offer the guy just the normal thirty percent max contract; he'll be insulted and he'll leave. The Celtics have so much money, or, or in this case, assets and draft picks that it's like if you don't offer one of you know your top two assets which would have been next year's brooklyn pick you know or jalen brown or one of your top four assets really i mean they had really four premium assets jalen brown jason tatum the Brooklyn pick next year and then you know the either Lakers top two to five protected next year or, or moving on to that Kings unprotected in 2019 both the, uh, which was also top one protected if you don't offer any of those four things it's like oh this offer just isn't good enough like you're not giving me a good enough offer and so I can imagine that the conversation kind of went like okay Boston like you know we said you had to up your offer uh we've got this other deal of Victor Oladipo and and DeMontis Simonis with OKC or maybe they just said hey we're we're pretty close to a deal with OKC you better increase your offer at Boston was like ha, 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 yeah right yeah like there's a really an offer from OKC that you like better than ours and then they went fuck trade him knows OKC
1: and remember that it was it was probably kind of similar with Vlade Divac and DeMarcus Cousins that basically I don't think anybody expected the return to be that low and then with Jimmy Butler it might have been the same thing where maybe it was with the Celtics uh, each time uh, by the way other team. by the
0: way hold on let me interrupt you here
1: I mean Vlade Divac compared to how the Bulls and Pacers did. they actually did pretty good. Yeah, especially with Buddy Hield looking way better as a king than he did as a pelican.
0: Yeah. At least he didn't like take back any, any bad salary and at least the Bulls avoided doing that, right? Like Ola Depot is like, you know, I don't know if he's bad salary, but he's not good salary. Um but yeah, like Hield looked better. You know, we didn't think Hield was good, but he at least was like the number 6 pick last year and then they got 10 this year, uh which ended up being being pretty good. So and they flipped that for 15 and 20 and and they also just got a chance to kind of rebuild they opened up a bunch of space so yeah i mean he, i think vlade you can argue did better than either of those other two guys did
1: i feel like we need to transition into paul george's fit with okc what many other people will talk about first but this is fascinating because george wanted to be the guy there was that reporting yeah. well, that he was. well by frustrated. the way
0: but the reason that we have we don't talk about that as much first is because we got all year to talk about that right like we're gonna right, have the okc true. preview you know we'll like there's we got plenty of time. We're going to be talking about that during the playoffs, you know. So it's, so this is like this is the time to kind of discuss just the, the parameters of the deal. But oh, i, but I there think there is we can one sl- the, there is one parameter
1: of yeah. the deal type thing I want to discuss, and that yeah, is what's that? I, I I actually think one of the biggest winners of this trade is the Lakers. The reason being Paul George doesn't get to have a love affair with any other team but the Thunder. Now it's it's them or it's free agency, and I don't see Oklahoma City. I think they'll be good. I think. I think they'll have a very good chance if they stay healthy of making the playoffs. I don't think that's enough. Like Paul George has been on teams that made the Eastern Conference Finals. Well, and they're going
0: to get. I mean, they're going to get worked still, probably. But well, I don't know. We got. I got to really think about where they fall below the Warriors in the hierarchy because this could be a pretty damn good team. But but it'll be hilarious thing too.
1: But so the the point is, also, this gives Russell Westbrook a little bit of latitude in terms of not accepting his extension, because he could say, hey, I want to see how this works out. You know, the same money is going to be on the table next year, and- not only is it possible that that Paul George leaves, or possible that Russ leaves, it's possible they leave together and go to the Lakers or the Clippers.
0: Yeah, like this is just gonna be like Paul George gets to recruit him to go to L.A. All, all year. That's that's the joke. But by the way, on on Russ, this is important because they OKC presumably has already made him that offer, which it's not technically a designated player veteran extension because I mean, really, the only part of it is. Well, maybe it technically is, but the only part of it that's actually better, it's not like he's getting more money than he could elsewhere, right? we will explain this because he'll, the whole reason he signed the deal that he did is because he'll be eligible for the 35% max after this season. And so he's not getting anything early, you know, in terms of being able to go from the 30% max to the 35, he can get that anyway. The only thing he's doing is being able to lock in a five-year extension now as opposed to just waiting until free agency to get it. And I think he's good enough and has been durable enough over the last three years to where he's probably not too worried about that. So I I would be surprised if he were to sign that extension I mean I think the optics of it will be difficult because he's you know he's been this big savior in OKC and you know maybe he really does want to stay there but you're right Danny now he can just say "Ah, I've got a great uh, he's he's got more of a reason now to be like oh let's see whether like Paul George sticks around or not and the other reason too I said this when I was on Bontem's podcast the other day which I recommend you guys listen to is that I wouldn't sign either because Clay Bennett kind of has or Sam Presti have, have a habit of cheaping out And so this allows you to keep the pressure on, make sure at the very least that, you know, they re-sign someone like Robertson or something or that at the trade deadline, they will make moves to take on more money. Uh, You still got them over a barrel. Once you've signed that, you know, you're basically signing away your life for OKC. You might as well, like, keep the monetary pressure on them for the next year or so. So we'll see uh, whether he ends up signing that or not, but he definitely did not commit to doing that when Bontemps asked him uh, at the press conference after the the MVP.
1: Yeah. So now we get to get to see where it goes. Uh, Do you want to go with free agent signings next or do you want to go with the other trade?
0: Well, we should probably talk a little bit more about uh, OKC as well. Uh, I mean, just what their team looks like and also where they are in terms of the tax. Um, Taj Gibson and Robertson, of course, they're outgoing free agents in addition to Nick Collison. Right now, with the money that they saved, they have about $8 million under the tax. You would have to imagine that re-signing Robertson, who I think Tony Snell is an interesting analog for him with the market that's been set now with his four-year $42 million deal in Milwaukee. Unclear whether there are some incentives on there or not that could push it to 44 Wood's tweet wasn't quite clear there. But you you have to imagine there's no way Robertson comes back for less than eight figures. So that's going to put him over the tax line a little bit over the tax. I think they can deal with now that they've moved Sabonis. They actually really kind of need Taj Gibson because they don't have another quality option at power forward on the roster, unless, I mean, I think it could be pretty cool if they decided to re-sign Robertson, and then you would have... You could play Doug McDermott at the three play George at the two Robertson at the four on offense basically and then just rejigger those guys around I mean their defense with George and Robertson could be fantastic and if you're just playing more with Robertson at the four you got finally have somebody who can shoot on the wing now now of course is Billy Donovan going to play that way we will see they've still got Ennis Cantor but I do think they really need a traditional four as well in that alignment Alex Abrinas could be another guy who could play well I think you know instead of McDermott if they want more of a a conventional two type of guy. I think a Barinas can take a step forward this year with his shooting. Uh, he's a nice pure shooter. And Jeremy Grant probably, can play some yeah. at the
1: four as well. Uh, he's sure, not a traditional yeah. one, but he can fit into this whole idea. Well, uh,
0: and another guy, I mean, the defensive lineup that they could throw out there now with Grant, George, and Robertson. Steven Adams at center and Russ I mean what a just ridiculously athletic lineup and I mean this team I would be massively disappointed if they weren't you know a top five defense next year they might even be able to handle playing at his cancer more now (laughs) until it gets to the playoffs of course but uh, now they do also have some options here right and Gibson if he's 10 million a year Robertson is 10 million a year now you're 13 million over the tax right and so that would be pretty big tax payment if they could either get off of Kyle Singler's money, who's due about $9 million guaranteed over the next two years, either stretch him or just trade him we'll see whether that market materializes or not and they could even just wait until the trade deadline to do that to pay it pay him some more money a Cantor trade would also i mean what i would love for them to do is just dump Cantor completely if they can and just resign gibson and have him be your backup center yeah uh, but what well, you can't I don't dump know, him, yeah
1: maybe you can clear maybe you can clear half of his salary this is something i think we're going to see more
0: yes yes
1: where you get maybe you get a nine million dollar guy and you go okay you know that's We we can use that money to get to make make an offer for Taj or to do something else, and then you can get into these middle grounds that we haven't seen as much recently.
0: Yeah, like a perfect example of that would be you know for example like KP had the idea of if I'm Houston, I could trade Ryan Anderson to Orlando, who has cap space, take back DJ Augustin. So you're taking back you're you're taking a guy who can play but is overpaid, and getting back a guy who can't play. and is also overpaid but not nearly as overpaid and so it's like okay you basically have like you say okay ryan anderson he's probably not a 20 million dollar a year player he's a 13 million dollar a year player well how about we take back 7 million in bad salary so you're essentially turning him into a 13 million dollar a year player you know like those type of trades i think it would be very interesting but then the question is you know do, what kind of assets do they want to put out because they are a they are out their pick with utah uh next year actually now it's minnesota of course uh that's lottery protected and they have that weird pick that's going to the magic uh, via philly with that they gave up for uh, jeremy grant
1: yeah so so there's all that moving forward and so yeah there there are some options now for uh for Sam Presti to do and I want to see where they go with it and also whether Donovan is actually going to stagger George and Westbrook enough so that George can help stabilize the offense when Westbrook's off the floor because I mean there are rumors that they're considering Michael Carter Williams a point guard you're going to want somebody who can actually generate offense when Russell Westbrook's off the floor
0: yeah oh Carter Williams would be an upgrade probably on what they had last year I I would say um wow that is that is
1: damning with faint praise if damning with faint praise ever existed
0: yeah So, yeah, they definitely have problems at backup point guard still. But, I mean, just very quickly, where does this team fall in the West hierarchy now? I mean, if Minnesota, you presume that they get, like, you know, a backup shooter... I mean, I kind of put them, I'd put them probably ahead of Minnesota. I think, I think that their defense is just going to be really good and that they're still going to struggle for having enough spacing, but they they could get, they could put out some pretty good offensive lineups. And now with George and, and if they retain Robertson, you know, they can still play some D as well. I mean, and I'm just hopeful that they will play a more modern style than they had before and that that could really you know juice the the offense a little bit i mean i think it's not impossible to me that this team could get to being in the same league as the spurs and houston it's It's not impossible to
1: me yeah it's possible so i would have them fifth if Hayward returns to Utah fourth, otherwise, at the moment, we'll see. There, there is a lot of movement that can happen to change that. But it's where I'd have it yeah. at the moment, and they can put out some nice crunch time lineups. I do worry that OKC, you know, they were this incredible crunch te- crunch time team last year, and a lot of those mechanics are still there. But you know, if Russ is any less incandescent, than those a lot of that kind of starts. The offensive yeah. part of it starts to drop off. So I, I think that's where I'd have it for now. Lots can change between now and then, but I'm excited. I mean, it's it's going to be something different and now as somebody who obsesses about every off season all the time including me obsessing about 2018 right now we now have intrigue for this entire year which
0: is fun I mean, God, the Western Conference is going to be fantastic next year. The East, I mean, God, I I, I, sure I made the
1: I made the joke that Lebron Lebron should only play once a week, but I honestly think he should. If if they could just just rhythm and maintenance or whatever he called it when they were playing against the Raptors, yeah. just do that. Well, but
0: yeah, if Boston gets Hayward, maybe things will change a little bit. I, I'm hoping for that to so at least get like one decent team in the East. I, I've I've loved that Utah team. It would be a shame if they have to break up. But let's talk about Minnesota now. There they first traded. Ricky Rubio into Utah's cap space, taking back zero salary for Minnesota. That then opened up about $32 million in space. I thought that getting that lottery-protected 2018 OKC first, that actually became a more valuable pick with the addition of Paul George because George now basically ensures that OKC will make the playoffs, so that pick will go. And that replaces the pick that they owe to the Hawks, lottery-protected from the ill-fated Adrian Payne trade. Back in 2015. And then they used on like the very moment that free agency opened. It's hilarious. Now, Howard Beck tweeted this out. I'm old enough to remember that when NBA teams and and agents didn't leak their illegally agreed to deals until like the free agent period started, uh, which I thought was really funny. Teague signing up for a three year, $57 million pact with Minnesota. Third year player option on that. What do you think of that contract for Teague, which leaves Minnesota with about 15 million in space remaining? But some other ways, maybe to uh to get to get some more space if they wanted to.
1: I think Teague is a better fit for if the assumption of a Butler Wiggins Towns core, just because he's a better shooter than Rubio, but he's not better by enough. I don't love the fit. I I there's a reason why I largely d- ignored Jeff Teague when I ran them in the mock off season. It was because I didn't like that fit personally. And yes, you're getting him at a cheaper price than Drew's probably going to get. Maybe Drew doesn't even leave, but we'll have to see what happens with George hill I mean we're now closer to George hill being standing alone when the music stops like that that now with with some of the other moves patty Mills we haven't discussed yet so i don't love striking early on this deal it's also fascinating that it's a two plus one because well, that's
0: why I think it's okay
1: well yeah because those last couple of years i mean teague is 29 so yes those last couple of years were probably going to be shaky but the idea of him exerting leverage let's say this works out well and yes they will have using early bird rights because of the way those rules work, they will have enough money to pay Jeff Teague if they want to bring him back at that point. But it's right around, you know, he'll be exerting leverage with them and that'll be the same summer Jimmy Butler can opt out and be a free agent. So maybe that leads to them making a mistake when they shouldn't.
0: I'm not so worried about that. I think it's actually decent timing. That's the same year that Jimmy Butler also has a player option that he will opt out of, likely Teague. I don't know whether he opts in or out. It'd be interesting to see. You mentioned they might have him over a barrel, but we'll see how good he's even playing at that point. They have Tyus Jones, who has two more years left on his rookie contract, and maybe if everything goes well... He could morph into a player who might be a little bit better of a fit. He's maturing into a really nice shooter. I, I thought that Minnesota, you know, I agree with you. Teague is not an amazing fit. Defensively, he's been a little bit of a liability in his career. That doesn't figure to improve. Not a guy who can switch at all. You know, that that's an issue. You would hope that th- this could be a team with Towns' mobility that could do a lot more switching. So like someone with more size like Holiday. Holiday was certainly a better fit. But I think that this is probably the only point guard on the market who is young enough to not significantly decline. Not a huge injury risk. He, he is, hasn't had a significant injury I don't, that I recall in his career and to get it to only be three years I think is good like there's you know there's a chance that maybe like you know he declines a little bit and and, you know he turns out to be like a you know a real lower end starter you know but this deal is not going to be you know just an awful deal that is just like totally dead salary by the end of it most likely so I think that's fine you know he'll be you get his age 29 and 30 seasons like that's not too bad and then you know maybe he opts out maybe he doesn't but so there's that aspect. I mean, so let me ask you this, Danny. Like you said uh, you didn't focus on Teague in the mock-off season. The reason for that was we did Holiday first, and he was ahead of Teague in our, our rankings. And that, you That's not why I bid bank. on
1: him first. That's because yeah. I, I thought he was a better fit. Uh, no, no, and
0: I agree with you, yes. But let's say you couldn't get Holiday, or you're not willing to move Cole Aldrich, as we did in that scenario— what like who else are you getting besides teague right like you don't want to go all the way down to darren collison he's just not a good enough player well,
1: do you uh, think george, george hill, is hill get a major contract? well george
0: hill played like 50 games last year and he's 31
1: that's true
0: and and, and who knows you know maybe he was going to go this first he he certainly has we'll talk about him in a little bit but he certainly has some like rather exorbitant salary demands i, I would <laughs> imagine uh
1: or at least expectations
0: yes yes and holiday indications have been that new orleans was just going to come to him with a monster five-year offer that's what some of the reporting has been this is a guy who was willing to commit to a reasonable salary you might i mean i think it's more likely than not that they wouldn't have had any other reasonable options than him and he has been an emerging spot up shooter he doesn't shoot as well off the dribble but he's improved his spot up shooting enough and that's what he's going to need to do a lot of here and i think you know you improve the fit on rubio and really you know you're paying four million a year more for him than rubio and then you know the the option is not great but to have it not be that much longer than Rubio. Rubio's contract. I, I think they did pretty well here, especially for a destination that I mean when's the last big free agent like this, even at this level, who went to Minnesota, right? So I, I think they did pretty well here. The only other thing you could have said maybe is like, you know, they they should have just used like all their space on Kyle Lowry or something like that, who would again would have been a better fit, but he's old, he's older than Teague, and you know, more likely again to be really bad salary. And I think they, they needed someone who's gonna come off the books because that year is gonna be 2019 20. That's when Town extension kicks in you have to pay butler and your wiggins extension will have kicked in so you really couldn't have afforded you know paying someone like lowry a huge amount as well um and this way they can still get another guy who's you know either a shooter they've been in supposedly having some talks with jj reddick you know, or just a uh a, and paul milsap actually supposedly uh frank isola saying that milsap uh minnesota and denver are the leaders for him presumably they would have to move some more money to get into the milsap sweet steaks, uh that but they can do that right They've got the 15 million left. They could move. Nemanja Pializza is four million, very easily. I think a team would just take that. Well, the uh, other probably. the other
1: way you they could do that, depending on who they're trying to send out, is they could structure a MILSAP deal as a sign in trade. Sure, because yeah. them being hard capped is not a big deal because they're you know the twenty million between the salary cap and the and the and the luxury tax line is not a big deal for them. They're not gonna they're yeah. not gonna blow through that.
0: Right, and they could stretch Cole Aldrich's seven point three million. He's owed only two million guaranteed next year as a declining salary. And then you know the one that I really would favor would be moving on from Gorgie Jang, uh, but we'll see whether you know what his value is. He's right, and that's, and that's
1: the challenge of a sign and trade in this case is that the Hawks have to want what the Wolves have.
0: Right. Yeah. But which you know, well, maybe let's, let's would, talk maybe about would. the
1: let's talk about the Utah side of this too. Sure, of course. It's, yeah. it, it's compelling. So Utah basically had this cap space that it it wasn't burning a hole in their pocket; it had already burnt the hole all the way through, and they could have used that money <laughs> back in the day for. The <laughs> Uh, renegotiation and extension for Derek Favors. They could have used it for George Hill. Those negotiations didn't go anywhere. Likely not Utah's fault. We don't know exactly. It's always when the reporting with that can get a little dicey. And they, so they had, I think it was about 16 million. They used a vast majority of that to get Rubio at the cost of that OKC pick, which ended up, uh, as you deemed it, it got better. I would agree with you that I think it, just because it's more locked in, that you're actually going to get it, which is nice. And Rubio helps them. How, whether, whether that helps is necessary or whatever is an open question but i mean i think he makes the jazz a better team next year than they would have been otherwise assuming george hill's gonna be gone
0: yeah and that was the idea to sell hayward uh, that all right we have a point guard here since point guard has been such a problem issue ever since he had arrived except for you know the 50 games or whatever it was that that g hill played last year and also now they have another season to kind of groom dante axum a little bit more see whether he can take over the point guard duties full-time if he can maybe they could trade him again next year or he's only under contract for two more years so if if xm emerges now you're not just locked into this redundant salary so i think there was obviously a fit there it was a very similar trade to what we made in the mock-off season uh the the only reason they're able to take in aldrich's salary in the mock-off season was because we had already moved over and hayward had already left at at that point but but you know i don't think that this is going to like sell hayward necessarily i mean it's it's better than before at least they have some kind of a solution here uh, we'll see what it looks like for them with Hayward. So to give you an idea of where they are just in terms of money, uh, if Hayward leaves and they have Joe Ingalls still capital, still in the books at $4 million, They've got about 12 million in space. Obviously, if if with Hayward's cap hold on the books with his 24 million, they are over the cap. If Gordon Hayward takes the max and returns, they would then have about seven million below the tax. I'm not sure what ownership's appetite for the tax is. That will certainly be a question that Gordon Hayward will be asking in his meeting with them on July 3rd. So you have to imagine Hayward will not be deciding until July 4th at the earliest. Uh but you know Hayward certainly would probably want them to bring back Ingles you would imagine in Ingles is we're talking about like you know mid mid eight figures you know 15 million a year type of offers over four years for Joe Ingles which is completely insane Uh, but yeah so that's about how much they would have uh if Hayward does return at the max and you know they obviously would have a hell of a time replacing him if they moved on from Ingles they they could get to you know about 16 million in space and that could be enough maybe for a Danilo Gallinari if they were to move off some other salary uh or, you know, maybe the, if Hayward leaves, they just go into like a little bit more of a rebuilding mode. And I think Rubio at least could be tradable again if the they needed him to be. Uh, and this all all this also includes the idea that uh, Boris Diaz, non-guarantee for 17, $7.5 million, uh he will be waived.
1: And I believe that since Rubio was traded into cap space and was not, he can be aggregated basically as soon as they want to, should they really want to change directions quickly. I'm not saying they will. I don't think yeah. so. But they, they could if they wanted to. And I like Rubio. Rubio, you know, his, his ability to to distribute, to, uh, it's, it's going to be a challenge, you know, with Quinn Snyder. He's talked about him being uh, being open to running at times in the past. That's where Ricky Rubio is best. So maybe they actually start doing a little bit more of that.
0: Yeah, it's going to be tough for them, though, with all their ball movement and stuff. And they're really, we'll talk more about them once we know what's going on with, with Hayward. I mean, they're going to be just in a total holding pattern until they, they hear from him, most likely. All right, we'll uh, be right back here after this from Quip. If you never tried an electric toothbrush before, number one, you need to try one immediately and you'll be like, I, I can't believe I ever got by with conventional brushing. I, and number two, if you're using another electric toothbrush, you need to try Quip as well, because it's just a much better product in a number of ways than a normal electric toothbrush. For example, travel. Quip lasts three months on one AAA battery. So you don't have this bulky battery that's got to be recharged like once a week. And so if you travel, it's the size basically of a normal toothbrush. You just throw it in your bag, put it in its case, and you, and you roll up. You don't have to bring the charger with you, or it's not like this incredibly bulky battery that actually ends up going bad anyway and then if you're on their subscription service they just send you another AAA battery it's so easy and they'll send you new brush heads as well on uh your a dentist recommended three month plan that's just five bucks including free shipping to get the new brush heads they're not going to gouge you on that the way all these more established brands are going to And you can avoid with a great electric toothbrush what my sister calls sweater teeth when you just you can just feel the plaque on your teeth because your toothbrush is just not good enough. And now because you're going to get a much better brush, too, because you can actually you're not like getting gouged on these replacement brush heads. So you're trying to like push it beyond the design limit like you're on the subscription plan. It just comes. It's five bucks. Great. And the whole Quip itself costs just $25. I mean, I think I haven't seen another mainstream electric toothbrush for like less than $50. And this is a better product. So the way to get started with them, go to getquip.com slash capspace. Getquip.com slash capspace. We talk about capspace, of course, all the time, just a little bit on this program. You can get your first refill pack free. Getquip.com slash capspace. I guess we should probably go to the Warriors next.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, Stephen Curry signed the most lucrative contract in the history of the NBA. I think that's significant, even if it was expected.
0: Five years, $201 million was, of course, eligible for the 35% max. His starting salary will be $34.682 million. And what I thought was most interesting though, I mean, yeah, it's the biggest contract in NBA history and maybe they use this point in the negotiations. He didn't get a player option on the last year and he didn't get a no trade either. So the Warriors continue winning in these negotiations where it seems like their free agents have them over a barrel. They got less than the max for Klay Thompson. They got way less than the max for Draymond Green. Uh, Kevin Durant is now, he's actually taking it more for team building reasons, but he's taking 3 million less than the max most likely. And the Sean Livingston contract ensures that he will be doing that now in theory. So I don't know how they keep doing it, but great job by them. Not getting a no trade. He was eligible for it.
1: Yeah, I guess it's, it's the new Ubuntu, but it's important for the Warriors. Also, they benefited more from the projection going up for the twenty nineteen twenty season, which is the year that Clay Thompson's new deal will kick in, whether it's with the Warriors or somewhere else. And that that increase theoretically that's a year where they could be in the repeater tax, could be very expensive. We'll we'll see how that goes. So a lot, a lot, kind of to to go through with that with with him, and then also Sean Livingston. He brought this up, Livingston reported by by many outlets now uh three years 24 million and the thing that zach lowe had first is that 8 million is a lot per season for livingston considering he had been kind of marginalized with the way this team was going but that final year is only 2 million guaranteed so if they want to make it basically a a two-year deal for 16 million they totally can treat it that way functionally
0: yeah and that is pretty similar i think to what we ended up with uh, on the mock-off season this was actually higher than we did i think think this is actually a very good deal for sean livingston a lot of people saying hey he could have gotten more on the market i'm a little bit skeptical of that just because like if he were just the player that he is and he could play 30 minutes a game reliably and people knew that about him I mean, he did drop off last year at, at age 31 but i think a lot of that was just due to the fact that kevin durant was using up a lot more of the touches uh, and he, he didn't really get any chance to be like kind of the primary ball handler as he did the year before so i didn't see like a ton of signs of slippage of his actual game and he can defend you know he has size on the wing great ball handler for his size you know gets in the mid-range post up he'll give you a source of offense on the second unit But the problem is, I don't know that he can play 30 minutes a game. And so, and Kerr has certainly alluded to that, that the Warriors definitely don't think that he can. They don't want him to, certainly during the regular season. So I think when you look at a player like that, who's just a pure backup, can't really play more than 20 minutes a game, age 31, I think 8 million a year, you know, almost the the full mid-level exception, that's pretty good money for a guy like that, I think. So I think he d- he actually did pretty well. I expected him to get a little bit less.
1: And he ended up on the team he wanted to play where he wasn't going to be kind of pushed harder than would be advisable on a competitive squad, obviously. And my theory had been for a while that Patrick McCaw, if they needed to, was going to replace Livingston because Livingston, he backs up Curry nominally in that he would be the guy who played in his place if Curry was hurt, but he doesn't play when Curry sits. So I thought McCaw could fit into that role, but now maybe McCaw, fit into the Ian Clark role where he plays with the second unit off ball offensively, but then guards point guards, which would actually be pretty intriguing.
0: The other nice thing about this is it actually gives the Warriors some salary fodder for a trade if they need it in these next couple of years. Yeah, it's a match salary because I mean, Iguodala, if he returns uh, and, you know, the big four, those guys aren't going anywhere. They're not going to spend that much on the center market. So if you wanted to acquire a player and trade, who is making like 15 million, you probably the only way you could do it is with someone like Sean's salary Bye but you mentioned uh, the new Ubuntu A little bit of trouble lurking perhaps here with Andre Iguodala
1: with Andre. I always kind of take a grain of salt with it just because of the way he plays plays this. And I think that there is a very real chance that he goes somewhere else, but you know, the talk that he was going to be with the Spurs, we'll see what money they actually have to offer now with the Patty Mills deal and everything else. I mean, the Spurs, there's still a, a, a lot of flexibility there. I think what he's trying to do is just get the most he can out of the Warriors but that he'll end up coming back but I've been wrong before so who knows
0: yeah Iguodala I went on uh Slater's podcast a couple days ago to talk about his situation the Warriors situation extensively and went through all the teams that might potentially have space for him the Spurs after the Patty Mills signing have about 13 million in space to still use his small cap hold there Uh, that's probably really more of an issue for them going into 2018 Uh, that salary that four-year 50 million dollar deal we can talk about that a little bit more later but yeah for Iguodala I mean you can read the Livingston signing one of two ways one is oh man we had to get Sean under contract because Iguodala might leave and we need some insurance or you can read it as well if we're gonna pay Sean this much no way Iguodala takes less than like double what Sean's getting in terms of yearly salary and i think you know a lot of it's going to be what they would all the third year as well the mock-off season we had andre at three for 45 but with uh the last year non-guaranteed based on or half guaranteed and could vest based on uh, games played incentives, times or whatever we didn't work it out exactly and so i think you know i'm still thinking it ends up relatively in that range i don't know i mean i think he would be a wonderful fit in san antonio and that's that's definitely the one to go to if you're going to rally your saber there's also talk that houston could be interested houston uh would it, you'd have to imagine the warriors would be unlikely to engage houston in sign and trade so houston would have to get off some money but you know might as well have the conversation he also had a brief talk with the lakers the lakers unlikely to give him more more than a one-year deal and they only have 10 million in cap space right now anyway no discussion of him with philly yet and philly uh as kp presciently played it in the mock-off season the reports out of philly are that they're basically looking to sign guys to one-year deals and so then that leaves there's also supposedly some interest from minnesota uh, which uh, another place where he would be an okay fit not a great fit uh due to his his uh questionable shooting but we talked about minnesota's cap situation as well and then sacramento who has you know about 45 million in space left still they could uh, uh, he also is meeting with them apparently the sacramento leverages who also if you will recall were actually involved with him and offered him more money than the warriors did back in the summer of 2013
1: yeah and he turned that down to go to the warriors so i i think we just kind of have to play it by ear there also as you mentioned before but it's important to repeat the livingston contract makes it plain that durant is going to take the non-bird so that's uh 31.8 million or thereabouts because the Livingston contract doesn't make sense with cap space. And so there had been some kind of thought process that had gone on that if Iguodala left that Durant would want his full max. That's not going to happen now. So- the warriors yeah. are going to be they're going to function as an over the cap team whether they spend their full taxpayer mid-level we don't know Curry's signing will be actually Curry's signing doesn't have to be last now because if they're going to be over the cap they can just kind of do it I, yeah. I i'm sure they'll want to have their duck it's all going to get
0: worked out by july 6th anyway, oh of
1: course like so yeah and so matter. uh we'll see what Iguadala does but i think we have a really good read on durant right now i'm actually a little bit surprised that they didn't do that announcement today maybe he didn't want it to steal curry's thunder or something like that that yeah
0: well i think he he was that that might be part of it and also i mean it's it's already been reported that he's gonna wait for a while he might just be like traveling somewhere or something like that he was gonna wait and sign last and maybe he's just doing that to help andre get a little bit of leverage um but it's uh and you know maybe he whether he signs a one plus one or whether he signs for for longer than that you know that could be a question too but uh one quick thing too on iguodala uh, Shams tweeting that the Warriors luxury tax concerns, uh, luxury tax would be a significant concern for Joe Lacob. And I think a lot of people took that to mean like, oh man, that's coming from the Warriors. Like they're they're like worried about the tax. No, that's not coming from the Warriors. The Warriors would never leak that they're concerned about the tax. That's coming from Iguodala's camp. And Iguodala's camp, you know, they can surmise that, that, you know, the tax would be an issue. And that's why Andre is not getting offered as much as he would hope to get. And really, you know, I think Andre is perfectly justified in asking for like 20 million a year. That would be my demand, at least to start with for him and to try and get as much as I can. He's going to try and get this offer up. But to say that, like, oh man, like Joe Lacob might be cheaping out, like, he could leave. Like, no, that's not coming from the words. Like, that's coming from his. Camp and it behooves them to get that out there as well because then it looks like, oh, this guy might be gettable. You might as well actually like save some space and like try to make a real offer for this guy, right? Like, you know, it, it, the more he can make it look like the Warriors are cheaping out, the better he can do as far as getting better offers from other teams. And then the better he can do going back to the Warriors and saying, hey, I have this offer from other teams. I'm not saying that he's like, you know, just totally posturing. I'm sure he would much prefer to go back to the Warriors and be in San Francisco. But if he gets a much bigger deal elsewhere, I think he, you know, it's possible that he could leave. But this is how anybody smart would be playing it right now.
1: Ready to move on? I, I, I think the place to go is the other full max contract.
0: Yeah, we were talking on our salary dork thread about, you know, what was the worst contract sign. And I was like, oh, there's actually not that many bad ones so far. And then. By the way, the fact that there aren't that many bad ones so far, remember where we were this time last year? Timothy Mozgov and, and Batum, which was actually we didn't think was that bad. We thought that was a discount, but it's going to wind up being bad. It just wasn't as bad relative to some of the others. Um, and, of course, you know, NOAA, some... which
1: we basically had the terms before, right. f- before free agency started. Thank you, Tim Bontemps. Right. Yeah, yeah. And... So,
0: so, But if you compare that to last year's market, yeah, it was crazy, right? This year, more sensible deals right at the beginning, and so you're uh i think that prestige is what this market is going to look like but so we were talking about that anyway and you know re- banning it all back and forth and then someone was like oh yeah what about blake griffin i'm like oh yeah that's easily the worst contract that was has been signed so far that is uh, both in terms of where the clippers are as a franchise and just the likelihood of it turning into just a massive disaster
1: griffin is 28 now he will play the in- basically the entire next season at age 28 and statistically- well no he may not
0: play the entire next season he may not even be ready to start the season after that (laughs) planter plate surgery in his toe there's dueling reports on that right now
1: (laughs) yeah that's true and and so but but my point is like yeah he could have a nice statistical season well that's also a separate question but what are the clippers now you know like do do they want to do this and also i talked when we when they made the chris paul trade about the idea that i didn't trust doc rivers to do the next stage in this and granted the blake griffin contract to me is overwhelmingly an owner decision not a gm decision Yes, and if ball balmer says jump any gm would say how high that's just the way this job works same thing i said when people are killing sam presti over the james harden trade this is an owner decision well i i
0: i will say i've i've heard some rumblings that that may not have been entirely an ownership decision the james harden trade but, but go on
1: anyway i i shouldn't have brought that up i apologize for doing that but this really seems that way to me with balmer and you know they're trying to get a new arena all that sort of stuff and so that doesn't make it good at all it just it's a, it's a different thing, and, and I don't want to necessarily kill Doc for it. But the problem with this is just an identity thing. And, and I was very critical of the Mello signing when it happened because of the idea that I think major market teams can do better. And to me, this, not not necessarily in the present, but two, three years from now, resigns the Clippers, even though Blake did not get a no trade clause. It resigns them to a level that is not particularly conducive to viability in Los Angeles.
0: All reports have indicated that JJ Redick is gone. They actually could pay him with with Chris Paul gone if he's only getting like, you know, one or two year offers, maybe they actually would consider paying him, but it seems like he just doesn't want to be there anymore. And with they've got now Jordan and Griffin the usual issues at the three, Sam Decker is probably their starting three right now. And actually, it's not inconceivable that he could grow into that. You got Pat Beverly at the one, Lou Williams at the two. I mean, they've still got, they've got a billion of these two guards. They should probably trade some of them, you know, Williams, Rivers, Jamal Crawford still. They've got, 32 million dollars tied up in those three guys all of whom are sort of like bench gunner types of the two but rivers will probably just start they don't have any backup bigs really right now other than montreal harrell but but anyway i mean you know they maybe they can get it in the mix for the eighth seed but you know if blake griffin doesn't start the season that's probably not the case and blake i think you know he'll he'll if he's healthy ish he'll average over 20 points a game and you know a bunch of assists and and be able to look pretty good and perhaps there's some thought that they could trade him he did not get a player option it sounds like we haven't hear any reporting on that and he did not get a no trade clause that has been confirmed so that was important you imagine he probably will get a trade bonus though that wouldn't surprise me he had one in his last contract so he got his money he's going to make 39 million uh, as a 32 year old in the 2021-22 season but i agree i I think that this year they had so many assets on the team still like if they could have traded blake or you know left griffin go or just, you know, low ball him a little bit, get get him on your contract, one that you know is going to be movable. And then maybe you'd say no and say, OK, that's fine. uh All right. Then you could move on from DeAndre Jordan, who's one year left on his contract, uh, try to get something pretty good for him. Although the center market, as we know, is is pretty impacted. Lou Williams, Pat Beverly, you know, you could probably squeeze together a first round pick, maybe you know, a little bit better for those guys. And you, you still got Decker, who'd be a solid player. And then you just go and get, you know, a top five, top 10 pick this year. In the draft, probably top five, frankly, if you move all those guys. And then you're maybe ready to rock next, maybe not next year, but in a couple of years. And in this la market so the only reason i think that they just you know because lawrence frank's like oh blake griffin is clipper loyalty and he is the guy who made this franchise relevant that wasn't chris paul uh chris paul took him to the playoffs but blake griffin actually made them like not a laughing stock for the first time in a long time but this issue of the new arena where they have this exclusive negotiating window with the city of inglewood there's going to be some resistance to that from the current tenant the forum all that makes you think okay they gotta at least be respectable they gotta have someone who can put some butts in the seats for right now and then they just gotta kind of pray that they can trade him I mean, the other thing too is if you're trying to be good right now maybe you just try and trade jordan for some other assets that just like match up a little bit better with blake griffin's talents too like you know just get somebody who can play the three and you know it's uh someone to play backup for or something just spread it around a little bit more and try to find you know a reasonable facsimile of uh Jordan's talents.
1: It would be nice to get a real control season for the DeAndre Jordan Chris Paul experiment, though, to see a, a you know the Clippers aren't going to be the same team, but to see like the difference between Patrick Beverly and Chris Paul and DeAndre, we'll see whether it actually happens. I actually think they're going to keep him. Well, I agree with your logic, and I think that you're I think that you're right. I just don't yeah. see. That yeah, of course they're going to keep. Him. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, so the Clippers now we, we talked about this a little bit with the other teams, but knowing what we know right now, I mean, I think they're a fringy playoff team. I I think that's probably most likely we've seen a couple teams really jump up in the world and we'll probably see a couple fall down. But I mean, I think they're below all those type of teams. We'll see what happens with D- Denver and Portland and some of those. But I think that's kind of where they are now
0: yeah and there's a discussion that like the clippers might meet with gallo and joe ingles and john simmons joe ingles that's funny if i I were joe ingles i would just like pretend i was going to take their offer right up until the last minute and then just go send somewhere else like just to fuck with them because no 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 just turn
1: turn them down when they're on the plane when they're on the plane to come meet with you (laughs)
0: uh so i don't know how they would have the space for those guys they would have to be involved in some some kind of a sign and trade but they have uh, you know lou williams beverly who they probably are planning to start at the one but nonetheless like they have guys who maybe could be involved in a sign and trade they're back to pick neutral now but so maybe maybe they'll try to just like put together a seven seed or something great good luck let's move on here what do we got next
1: i want to go a place that a lot of people probably wouldn't patty mills patty mills re-signs with the san antonio spurs four years 50 million dollars this matters in two ways one it it Clarifies their point guard situation. I don't think they're gonna bring in George Hill because they well and in
0: fact there is a report that talks with Hill and the Spurs didn't go anywhere. Right. Um and, and then and perhaps they had those talks and then they're like, All right, Patty, sign this deal.
1: And also Mills cuts into their twenty eighteen space. We've gone a little bit gaga about those possibilities, but he's on a completely reasonable contract. I have zero opposition to this whatsoever. I think he's a wonderful fit.
0: It's gonna get bad by the end. This is another one of those ones because he has the low cap hold where they'd probably be smart to have it be declining or the the other thing they could do is give it the dip for 2018 maybe do that to open up a little bit more space and it's looking more like now the spurs could just operate as an over the cap team as well if they bring back a uh john simmons There's talk that he might have an offer from the spurs in the eight to nine million dollar a year range and both of these guys have small cap holds mills only 6.8 million dollar cap hold so they're basically getting about 5 million 6 million dollars in extra cap space on this deal and then Simmons cap hold is only 200,000 above the minimum and he's an Arenas limited free agent So, you know, it seems like this is kind of on the way to getting the band back together. For Mills, at age 28, I think he'll be an effective player in their system for the next couple of years, could kind of break down to where he's not really a starting quality point guard after this, after that, you know, the last two years of this deal. So it may not end up being great, but because they're getting this nice benefit of his small cap hold it makes sense and at least now that you have him in the fold you're not concerned anymore of all right we may not get somebody and they they may not be done maybe they can the fact that they can't get chris paul that's a blow to them we'll see where they go they have 13.6 million in room left right now with the cap holds of mills and simmons still on the books those guys will sign last obviously uh if in fact they reach an agreement with simmons and so they obviously could use another wing. You know, I think the the pursuit of Iguadala is a good one, and they could probably get off the the money of Kyle Anderson or cut Bryn Forbes or you know to get up to starting Iguadala at like fifteen or sixteen million a year. Now, where does that leave Pau Gasol? That's an interesting question because he opted out at sixteen million this year. So is he just going to take the room exception then? Like you think there's got to be some money left for him on a longer term deal, or maybe he takes the room exception and then you know signs a longer deal with the early bird exception, but. Uh, that situation still has to be resolved as well. And then there's always the thought of a Lamarcus Aldridge trade as as well. But it seems like this move is more kind of towards the like, all right, we're going to bring most people back here. And, and that's not a terrible option for a team that won 61 games last year. And I think if they did get Iguodala, it'd be a great fit because then you could play Kawhi at the four, uh, Iguodala at the three, Danny Green at the two. And play Lamarcus it's Patty Mills at the one, like that would be a nice closing lineup that would match up much better against Golden State. I'll and believe you, also weaken, I see you also weaken your rival, of course, which would be good too. Yeah, I, I, right, I agree with you. I, I believe it when I see it too. But is there anyone else in the the mold of Viguadal that you think they could get in on here?
1: Not off the top of my head. I think my my bet on that would be to just see what they can do next year. I be also now, I'd be well yeah, That would be I my think, plan too. I think the LA teams are far are far more likely with Paul George. He could look at the Spurs and go, Wow, that'd be a really good situation. I mean, if you could if they have yeah. Patty Mills, Kawhi, probably Lamarcus opts out. They can they'll figure stuff out at the big man spots, they always do. Like that's that's a really good situation too. So I think that I think they should they can use that space better. And I don't think gunning for next year is the right decision for San Antonio. Kawhi is a spectacular talent. I still think he's pre prime or awfully close to it. I would be going in that direction, not thinking, "Oh, you're going to make the Warriors worse for this coming year." It'll make us a little bit better. I would be thinking more about eighteen, nineteen, or more specifically nineteen,
0: twenty. Yeah, I mean it depends, you know. If you got to get someone like Iguodala for twenty million a year, that's probably too much, and the number of years might be too much. But they've they project to have $57 million in space next year, even with this Mills deal. I mean, it's basically Kawhi and Mills and DeJounte Murray now on the team. So uh, for next year, maybe Simmons as well. But yeah, I mean, I think... Bringing back both Simmons and Mills at market rate, that starts to get a little more questionable for me as far as that 2018 plan, but we'll see. Where do you want to go next?
1: Well, so we do you think we already did? We did enough on Teague already, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I, maybe we could do Tony Snell, four-year, sure. $46 million deal, $44 million guaranteed guaranteed uh, to return to Milwaukee. I, I misspoke earlier when I said 42. Uh, he will have a player option on the fourth year. That's probably what I like the least about that from milwaukee but this is pretty much right in range i would have might have preferred to get just three years as well i mean but this is like yearly salary this so is as long as it's exactly the band that we were in in the mock-off season and this is always where it was going to be destined to end up as well it seemed like and i think the bucks did okay here they didn't get a ton of discount for you know you would hope that like you can get a little bit of a discount by agreeing right away before he has to go test the market but i think he would have had offers i mean as just a guy who's young and has some two-way ability
1: he's being paid like a fringe starter capable backup and that's probably what he's going to be he you know when if they get jabari parker back at close to full strength at some point hopefully you know by the end of the regular season next year tony snell probably slides into a backup role unless because unless they're going to use jabari as a super sub so that's fine you know you can use him as that as that player and slide chris middleton around their point guard situation you know they have brogdon they have delhi maybe they would want to go in a different direction i i don't have much opposition to this and yeah, it, it was possible that the market was going to dry up before snell but I, I i'd always felt like it was going to work out for him just somebody was going to throw it because it's not a max offer you know those type of things could could really dry up depending on how this goes but somebody's going to have 10 million to throw at this kid and so maybe i don't think he was going to get a 50 55 million dollar offer but if it was going to be 40 versus 42 or 44 why not just do it now yeah,
0: and so Snell now, if assuming they give him the maximum possible eight percent raises, which I would not surprise me, that would leave him making nine point eight million in the first year of that deal, and so that puts the Bucks now twenty million dollars over the cap. And pretty much right at the tax, they are a little bit over the tax right now, not an organization you expect to pay a ton of it. They still have one more year before they move into that new partially publicly funded arena. That should be a, I don't want to say a, a cash cow, but certainly help their finances a little bit. They're playing in one of the older arenas in the league in the Bradley Center. But you would think the next step, because they've got 14 guys, uh, when you consider DJ Wilson, their draft pick, they'll probably move on from Gary Payton the second. The next step probably is going to be trying to move Spencer Hawes, who opted into his uh, $6 million player option, and they have uh, more than enough centers already here. Sacramento, we... Had heard that it was three for 36 for Bogdan Bogdanovich, which was comically high. Now the report indicating, no, it's it's three for 27. And that's a little bit more in line. If you think of Bogdanovich is not the best player in Europe, I think, at least for NBA, because he's pretty one dimensional. I think he'll be in the NBA just as a shooter, but a solid shooter. But he's probably one of the top three or four players in Europe as an NBA prospect right now. If you want to compare him, say, to Alex Abrinas from last year, who uh, signed a three-year, $6 million deal, because remember, Bogdanovich, after three years, not subject to the rookie scale any longer, but he has to sign at least a three-year deal if he's not going to sign a rookie scale deal. And, you know, Abrinas, the cap was a little bit lower last year. He was a second-round pick. Bogdanovich probably projects is more able to help right now. Nikola Miritich, who probably had a better pedigree in Europe and was younger than Bogdanovich when he came over, I think, at 23 under the 2014 15 cap which was 63 million he made about the mid-level exception at that time which was like six million a year so if you extrapolate what the cap is now he's kind of right in line with that so this is a slight overpay probably but especially when you're the kings not that bad one so this is about what probably should have been expected
1: and just like every other team that ha- looks like they're going to have a lot of cap space this year they should front load the crap out of this if they i can. agree you want you yeah, want to go the- they,
0: they can only do it they can only do five percent raises though for him they Chris- Correct. Not to eight percent or five percent declines yeah what else you we got want
1: go brazilian center time yes so, nene signed a four-year 15 million which is the maximum allowable deal under the non-bird exception however there is a little intrigue that as as far as i can tell has not yet been resolved concerning the over 38 rule which has moved thanks to the hard work of chris paul and lebron james and it gets weird with him because and this is part of the reason why i don't have have an answer yet even though i'm working on a piece for real gm on the over 38 rule because of this weird thing that he turns 38 after like his birthday is after the contract is being signed but before october 1st so i think it my read on it is that it violates that this rule would violate it so then they would have to restructure the contract if they want to fit it within the exception but they could also use another exception or something else but it's also possible that this vague the vagueness that i'm seeing that it just gets read the other way
0: yeah I, I read it that way as well Albert Namad first tipped us off to that he knows more about this stuff either than, than you or I do and so uh, I'm checking on that we'll see we'll see what happens but we'll assume that it's as reported right now and a good deal for Nene a nice uh, little parachute I mean he'll probably won't be effective the last couple of years of that deal he's not really one of these like great locker room guys who you kind of keep around with like the, the Nick Collison kind of deal but he seemed very happy in Houston and you know still for a guy who projects as a solid backup center might even close some games for them at times you know a a solid deal
1: what he was huge in the okc series too
0: yes no i mean what did he have like 25 points on like 12 of 12 from the field in one of those games like he was ridiculous
1: i think it was in game five yeah
0: the other brazilian center though cristiano felicio four years 32 million he was had two years of experience and played as Chicago's principal backup center last year. A guy that I liked, maybe not quite to this level. I think in the mock-off season, we had him signing an offer sheet with the Hawks for like three years at six million a year. So this is a, a little bit above that in terms of the years. I don't mind the years though for him. He's only 24. So that that's, will take you right through probably his prime years. We'll see if he, he's, he'll have to continue to develop to be worth this contract, but a worthy gamble, I think, especially for a team that, isn't really going anywhere this year. And I think, especially if they decide, hey, we want to actually trade Robin Lopez, he might actually start for them. And maybe that's part of the thinking here is like, you know, this guy, maybe he's got starter potential. We'll just lock him up right now. And I think actually, if he gets to the point where he can start shooting threes more, which I think he has the potential to do, you know, maybe this turns into a value deal still a little bit more than I expected him to get, but nothing too egregious from the Bulls here, keeping him out of a restricted free agency. Again, it was expected to be an impacted center market, I think we'll still see that. Uh, this this contract bodes well for someone like Mason Plumley if you're looking at it as like, you know, market value as, okay, what did other guys get? As opposed to market value as like, oh, what actual offers do you have out there instead? But I mean, I still think we're going to see centers get overpaid. Like they have been since time immemorial and even with the even back when centers were more important than they are now. Uh, so uh, this is a fine deal, not a great one for the Bulls, but it does keep them out of restricted free agency.
1: This being the quote unquote worst deal that we had thought of before we remembered about Blake Griffin doesn't say much negatively about the Bulls it's just how reasonable everybody else was so like it it isn't my favorite but he could outperform it he hasn't had the real the chance to show him to show it which is why it's so weird that he got offered that it's not like this is a matched offer sheet and another team is believing in him it's the team that underutilized him and saying hey you can be you can be more than this but as you said if they move on from Robin Lopez if they can if he could even if he like one of those 25 to 28 minute a game starters he would more than be worth it on this and he can grow into it they can they can use it for a couple of years and again they should front load this contract unless they're trying to squeeze him into the exception but I don't think they're going to use all their space anyway and they added more space we should also mention this by waiving Rajon Rondo so they have to pay him his 3 million partial yes. guarantee we have not heard whether that will be stretched or not whether it's going to be 3 million on one year or 3 million over 3 but either way Chicago's probably going to have money to burn so that, to me then you front load the contracts and just reduce your burden down the line.
0: Yeah, Isaiah Cannon who had 200,000 guaranteed for this year but guarantee date of June 30th also waived by Chicago and the bulls now their projection they did extend a qualifying offer to your favorite player uh king joffrey and but his cap holds pretty small still Nikola Mirotic, of course also getting a qualifying offer his cap hold about 11 million dollars and of course dwayne wade has opted in to his deal officially as of now the bulls About 22.5 million in space before they were to bring back Miritich and Laverne. But worth noting here that if their plan is, hey, let's use cap space to take on bad deals at the deadline, when you throw, you reduce that 22 million by about 7 million once the year starts and they've got Felicio, they can't take advantage of his small cap hold any longer. If they give Laverne more than, what his cap hold is or even around there you oh, know, sorry, that could be vomited. an issue yeah and, and then uh miritich you know if he gets 15 million a year if they either match it or uh, they're, they're definitely have not really it's the reporting indicates from nick Friedel offered him a contract yet so it looks like he's gonna have to go out in the market and find something and they certainly i could see them just letting him go because they have marketing now and they're not really trying to be that good this year and they could also move robin lopez as well who has two years left at 14 million a year but the their efforts to kind of be like a cap dumping ground they may not have quite as much space as people think they're going to and then also there's the possibility of buying out Dwayne wade as well and and if they were to do that it would probably behoove them to do that quickly number so number one so that they could do it at a point where they could get more back from him if he could realistically be like oh hey i can get like You know, 10 million from somebody, or get the full mid level exception from somebody, or even the full taxpayer mid level from a team like Cleveland. Now he's willing to give back a lot more money, right? Like, as opposed to, and maybe even that's like, so, so now like to your, you could save a lot more, and then you have more space to take in bad contracts as well. But I, I wouldn't anticipate that like buyout talks would happen until the middle of the year, and and then they've kind of lost that ability. That's enough on the Bulls, though. It, they're not going to do anything for a while, I don't think. So,
1: but uh, I, there's we'll, some we'll other kind of bu- businessy stuff that I think is is worth talking about. The Sixers declined, or they they waived Gerald Henderson. He had nine million uh, for this year. I thought that was a reasonable contract. I made the claim that if I were a certain that I, f- I hadn't picked a team, but that I thought he was worth claiming. I just think that's a reasonable contract for him. Uh, then also. The Hawks waived Mike Dunleavy, so they cleared about. Well, well,
0: Mike- let's uh, let's go back to Henderson for a sure. moment here, and, and this is the case for Rondo too. You could make a case more so for Henderson than for Rondo that there are some teams that might actually just be interested in that, uh, claiming off a of waiver. Certainly, both of these teams would have tried to trade these guys and found no takers, but that's because they knew they're going to get waived. Henderson actually, unbeknownst to me, had a million dollars guaranteed. Bobby Marks tweeted that today for this year. I doubt the Sixers will stretch that they'll probably just take the hit this year especially with this plan they have to go after guys on 1 year deals for like you know 20 million bucks yeah. a lot of teams would have been smart to do that last year <laughs> really the only team that did it it seemed like was uh the magic and the heat but nonetheless And just the way that the waivers work now, it's very odd when guys get waived at a time, June 30th, now he has 48 hours to clear waivers. That doesn't happen until the next cap year. And so he gets waived this year, but then his salary for next year, which is also 9 million, teams now suddenly have more space for next year. And now they could claim him even if they didn't have space during the cap year when he was waived. Uh, It was unclear to me, this is total minutiae here, but, uh, and even Larry was going to check on this. I asked him, If say Utah, who still had space today, but wasn't gonna have space next cap year, if they had put in a claim for him today, would they have still been able to do that, or would it? Can you only do it when like at the time when the forty eight hours passes by? I don't know the answer to that, but that's way too much minutia. Now Sixers looking at forty seven million in space with the excise of henderson's salary presumably as kp did in the mock-off season a fair chunk of that will be allocated to renegotiating extending robert Cummington, and that also would fit very well with what the the plan is of just spending you know one year for you know 20 million or something for a jj reddick type uh cj miles maybe could be another target of theirs. they still need a two guard who can shoot they probably don't they're trying to be good this year they probably don't want to go into the season with stauskas and tlc as their starters or even jared bayless who remember him he's on the team he missed all last year with a wrist injury so the what they would want to do is to save up to maybe 20 million bucks to renegotiate and extend covington in this year when they have all this space and then have his salary decline to something like 12 million. You could decline it by as much as 40%. And to have him, you know, on a four-year deal beyond this at 12 million a year, which would be a great value contract. And then they would still have plenty of money to get into the market next year. Uh despite the fact that Joel and B'll have a pretty big capital to 18 million. They'll still project to have enough for a max contract next year even with Covington and, and Embiid's cap holds. Uh if they extend Embiid it might get a little dicey there. Uh but it seems like pretty clearly that's what's going to be the strategy now in Philly. Uh
1: two euros that we've been intrigued by before that are reportedly going to come over, Chetty Osman, which is whose rights are held by the Cleveland Cavaliers. He was a second round pick. He was 31 in I believe that was 2015, is that right? Was that 16? 15. Fifteen. And then Furkan Korkmaz was a first round pick and then thus is subject to the rookie scale by the Sixers, it sounds like he's going to come over as well.
0: Yeah, we'll remind everyone how this works. NBA teams can help to pay European players buyouts, but only to the tune this year of $675,000. It goes up $25,000 every year. It's called the Excluded International Player Payment. And so basically, uh, Pick reporting that Osmond has a $1 million buyout, so basically osman will have to pay 325k of that out of whatever the cavs end up paying him so that's actually now we'll see what kind of a contract osman is able to get from the cavs if in, in fact he comes over the cavs will probably want to pay him with a little chunk of their taxpayer mid-level exception so they can give him 3 years you know whether they get him for close to the minimum or you know something more like 1.5 2 million a year that will remain to be seen as well that'll be an interesting negotiation and then Corkma is actually pick reporting that he has a two million dollar buyout, so he'll have to pay uh one point three two five million of that himself. And on the rookie scale deal that he's getting, he's only gonna be starting at one point five million this year and you know his total contract will probably be less than 10 million so that's a decent chunk of change that he's gonna have to pay but you're definitely smart just starting your your career as early as possible i think so good good for cork buzz and he's another guy now who will get in the mix at shooting guard for them and i guess your hope is just that you know one of either he or TLC will emerge. Kork Maj is kind of more like a bench gunner score type extremely skinny. Probably doesn't project as a starter due to his defensive limitations, but you know could be kind of, you know, a Jamal Crawford type of guy the hope is if everything breaks right although you know he'll never have that kind of handle, but you know that sort of off the bench gunner type of guy.
1: Another kind of housekeeping thing that could be of note is that the Hawks waived Mike Dunleavy. He had a partial guarantee on on his. And it sounds like from Tim McMahon's reporting that Devin Harris, who also has a partial guarantee on his with the Mavericks, is not going to be waived, which made all the sense in the world to both of us.
0: Waving him. waving him. All did. the sense yes. in the world, do you mean? Yeah, Harris, four point four million, one point three million of that guaranteed. And he can be waived up until the league-wide cut-down date of January 10th, so they can always hold off on doing that, but you know they presumably want to use cap space. And it remains to be seen, really, even whether Dallas will be operating over or under the cap. As of now, with Harris on the books, they have... 16 million in space that could grow to almost 20 if they were to waive Harris the other thing they could do too, Danny is as long as they didn't stretch him because once you stretch a guy he can't come back you can't re-sign him until after that contract would have been over they could just waive him and then bring him back for the minimum as well I don't think anybody would claim him at 4.4 million
1: That's a good idea. A guy I'm surprised. I just hadn't thought of it until now. Something we should discuss, though, is that the Wizards extended John Wall, a designated veteran extension. He is one of only four players that is eligible for a designated veteran contract this year by virtue of making an all NBA and fulfilling the other eligibility requirements. And he is going to mull it over. We'll have to see what happens there. But good on the Wizards to offer it. I think that's reasonable for them. And now the ball's in his court.
0: Yeah, and uh, some additional reporting indicating that while it wasn't even necessarily a matter of the moves, it's just and he'd be committing to them for another six years. That's a long time. You're basically saying, I'm going to be in Washington for the rest of my career. He's 26 right now. So that's you know basically taking him through age 32. That That is a, a weighty decision. I mean, you're also locking in a ton of money. He also could just wait until next year. The only problem is if he doesn't make All-NBA next year, then he won't be eligible for it. So might want well to get while the getting's good now. Uh, when you are going to be eligible for it and And he could be
1: trade he could actually be traded while the before it even kicks in if they if because it's it's a one year limitation not in terms of the timing of the extension at all
0: yeah and actually a nice little boon for him too that the cap now is projected to go up to 108 in the year 2019 when it would kick in other Wizards news, The they met with Otto Porter tonight per David Aldridge, a Washington guy, is on top of that. Uh, they did not reach an agreement. His agent, David Falk, I'm sure, said, well, if you're not going to offer the max that you can, we have nothing to talk about. That seems to generally be his approach. Uh, that was what he tried with Greg Monroe. It's also what he tried with Jared Zollinger. One of those worked out, one of those didn't. I don't think this is as analogous a situation as Monroe because Monroe actually didn't have offers elsewhere and the Detroit didn't pay him that much and they already had Andre Drummond too to replace him and Monroe also just didn't really want to stay there so with all that yeah he ended up taking the qualifying offer and leaving which wasn't the end of the world for Detroit as it turned out and so now Porter believed to have multiple max offers available. You have to imagine the Kings desperately needing a three. It would be one such team. Not that many other teams out there that have just like pure max space to to throw at someone like him. But I, I don't see any reason for the Wizards of Pounds. In fact, I might rather just have a four-year deal for him. I guess the biggest downside is that, it, you know, it's a 15% trade bonus. It's a three plus one, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, but we'll see uh whether there's an offer sheet is signed or not i mean one difference between now uh, between past years and now under the new CBA number one the match period is two days instead of three that doesn't really make much of a difference because it doesn't start until after the moratorium but restricted free agent offer sheets can actually like literally be signed during the moratorium and that at least gives the restricted free agent a little bit of peace of mind that you're it's there for sure and there's also probably more of a chance that something just gets signed as opposed to hey i've got this deal you better just give me something that's pretty close to it and match it uh which, which you'll see a, a lot of times too but I, I i wouldn't be like freaking out if you're a wizard fan it's gonna be fine agreed uh shams also reporting on george hill that uh we mentioned that the spurs discussion with them broke, broke off denver and new york have supposedly made initial contact with hill he makes absolutely zero sense to me in denver unless denver wanted to trade gary harris who harris is like almost kind of a better version of, of hill uh, or you know at least a younger one and could end up being better than him and i still anything that takes the ball out of jamal murray's hands as the starting point guard next year i am uh, adamantly against
1: oh uh new
0: york new york could be a good fit for hill though uh, and by the yeah. way we well before we, we move on so jeff teague you know we made the argument when that that trade was made from indiana that hill was a better player than teague and i think that hill proved that last year when he was healthy but hill is also 31 and teague is 29 and going forward teague got 57 million dollars in guaranteed money you can reasonably expect that Teague is more desirable as a free agent than Hill. Would you agree with that in terms of just like, this is the amount of money in years and guaranteed money I want to give out?
1: It can certainly be argued, especially considering Hill's is- injury issues have persisted. This isn't a new yes. thing this year.
0: Yeah. And so remember that Hill turned down $80 million in new money from the Jazz over three years, too not even four years, three new years on that renegotiation and extension. I would be shocked if he gets more than Teague did. So maybe he just really didn't want to be in Utah, but it looks like a serious misjudgment of the market for by him so far. And you'd have to imagine he had these that those sorts of demands as Antonio. And San Antonio was like, "Uh, yeah, no."
1: Well, think back to that trade. So Hill. So basically, so the the Pacers traded Hill for Teague, and now Teague is gone. The Jazz traded it was a, a t- the twelfth pick for hill yeah. now hill is gone became,
0: became Torian Prince. and
1: prince yeah. and the hawks made out like bandits in a way you know like they got i mean granted you could argue that teague at his price might be better than dennis schroeder at his just because schroeder got it you can make an argument it, i i'd have to really think about that one way or the other but you know that that's the way these things can go sometimes
0: yeah and for you too i was still a worthy gamble and i mean that and sure you sure, know, it sure. doesn't it doesn't mean nothing that they like won a seven game series against the clippers and made the second round of the playoffs like they don't do that if they don't make that they, trade they so the
1: five seed. I mean that that's a that's a big step yeah. and and it might be a situation if if Hayward leaves and yes that is still an if that you you can kind of go results over process but the process was sound
0: so that's it for signings get a few other little pieces here uh, Maurice Endor had a guarantee date of June 30th he got waived minimum salary by the Knicks. Uh, david lee declining his player option to become a, a free agent but seems like it's quite possible he could just return uh for the non-bird exception his cap hold is the minimum that's what he did there last year chris haynes reporting that luke and or reclining declining his uh 2.2 million dollar contract his distinction as the only player last year to take uh, the bae and in terms of qualifying offers uh james michael mack not receiving a qualifying offer from the warriors who's an unrestricted free agent that's the same thing that happened to him last time that would seem to indicate that the warriors would not be interested in bringing him back unless it's for the minimum and then even then maybe not because they got jordan bell ben mclemore did not get a qualifying offer from the kings he is an unrestricted free agent of course danny had to be so stingy he wouldn't just let me let me go uh as the player agent even though he wasn't in the plans and I screwed you by taking the qualifying offer. I still, still believe that, uh, you mentioned Joffrey Laverne guys, qualifying offer, and then can talk a little bit more about some of these uh, free agents. Let's just talk about the Knicks GM situation in general. Uh, we speculated on that pod about Phil that Isaiah Thomas could be involved. Isola, of course, saying that he could be a dark horse candidate. Uh, BOTP, Berman of the Post, as Isola likes to call Mark Berman, says Isaiah won't be considered as a, as a successor. And Isaiah Thomas himself tweeted, I'm not interested in joining the Knicks. I'm happy with the New York Liberty and NBA TV. Uh, and then David Griffin, Ramona saying, is going to meet with the Knicks, but that such, if they do bring him on, it would be as the GM under Steve Mills as the president, which, you know, doesn't seem like something that I'd be that into interested in if i were, were david griffin
1: gotta love james dolan i mean i not not that mills has done it like that i think he would be bad at the job but griffin has has proven himself in kind of a, a complicated circumstance and i i think he's a good guy to get a shot if that would be kind of like stumbling on found money in a lot of ways if they can make it work
0: i saw also reporting that mills in an effort to convince Joel dolan that he should be the chief decision maker full-time is looking to make a splash. That always works out well for the New York Knicks.
1: Yeah, and I, so something we didn't talk about because his name didn't come up that much today is where this all goes with those kind of like the Suns and a couple of these other teams where their GMs are maybe desperate to make a splash. And so where are they going to spend their money? Because now the Blake Griffin's off the board. A couple of these other guys, it's going to be a narrower pocket of players, and so somebody's going to get paid.
0: Yeah, Sola also mentioned that Sacramento and Phoenix were in the mix with Paul Millsap, uh David Aldrin. Aldridge also saying Phoenix would go hard after Paul Millsap. Millsap doesn't really make much sense in Phoenix to to me on their timeline. The fact that they have two power forward prospects already that they're trying to develop there. And Drew Holiday, Mark Stein, before he regrettably had to go off the air because ESPN decides that it's a great idea to fire guys who still have money left on their contract. So now they would rather just pay him to be silent tweeted that there is resignation among interested teams that New Orleans would quickly come to a deal with Drew Holiday on a rich five-year deal, strong bonds due to the issue with Lauren Holiday, his wife, and her brain tumor and how supportive the organization was of him back then. David Aldridge said there are three teams seriously pursuing Holiday. One of those, Minnesota, you would, would have thought already agree with their mantis. You don't see a, another landing spot. I mean, do you see any other landing spot for Drew Holiday with a team that figures to be as good as New Orleans, not to even mention the money?
1: No, not off the top of my head at least.
0: Yeah, I think really if you look at the teams that have space unless denver or chicago wanted to get involved and i would think that they probably wouldn't or maybe like miami or orlando or the knicks but other than miami none of them have full max space right now i'd be very interested to see where this holiday deal lands my prediction would be around five for 125 i, th- I think that's pretty pretty close there maybe sacramento would be the other one but they still have De'Aaron and fox they're being talked about those maybe wanting to bring in a, a more experienced point guard nobody knows what the hell they're going to do at this point so yeah i mean i think none of those teams to me is quite as desirable as new orleans you consider the money advantage of new orleans all those teams either have young point guards there or point guards who are around the same level of holiday like you know goran Dragic with miami So yeah, I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense for Drew to go back at this point. I mean, I'd much rather be in New Orleans than the Knicks these days.
1: Yeah, I would too.
0: And they're going to offer him five years. So Danilo Gallinari, the standard tweet of a billion teams being interested, uh, likely would take a few days to unfold. You'd think the Kings would probably be interested there as well. The Sacramento leverages have been quite busy. New Orleans Noel... The Mavs are willing to pay this summer's market value per Tim McMahon, and there is interest from several teams, which, okay, interest, I still don't see where an offer comes from. Uh, I thought Noel doesn't seem like really a Hawks kind of guy, and that was the only offer we could drum up for him in the mock-off season because Phoenix red flagged him, so there really doesn't seem another team out there that particularly needs a center like him. Contavious Caldwell-Pope Stein tweeted that, Brooklyn would have interest in either potential max offers for KCP or Otto Porter. PJ Tucker's had a few meetings, including Sacramento and Toronto, or at least has them set up. All right, I think we hit everything. Did I miss anything?
1: Not that, uh, it sounds like Zucci uh, that they're, they're, he's negotiating with the Rockets for a multi-year contract. I'm guessing that would be using part of their mid-level exception based on kind of their structure. But again, they're, they're, I mean, they have, they have team building tools, but they don't have a ton there. So if if they're paying him out of that, then that's less money for somebody else.
0: Oh, uh, Joe Ingles.
1: Oh yeah. (laughs) It's
0: reported that. He could get a four-year, $60 million offer sheet from the Magic. That is from Tim Bontemps. And that Ingles isn't even going to sign that. He's going to like take the weekend and have some other meetings too. Well, so you, you, Ingles, he's the most he's at, yeah. the most
1: patient guy on the fast break. He's he's doing that now. But holy crap, <laughs> he should like he if they make that offer, he should you know we talked about how you can sign those offers now. He should just sign it while he's there. Like and, and I mean that's incredible.
0: Well, I mean if I mean if if other teams are telling his agent they're going to make that same offer, I mean that's like you know I, I, Orlando isn't exactly the first place I'd want to go. And by the way, that would be a really stupid offer from Orlando.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that would, that's the type of offer that Utah shouldn't match. Like I really grappled with 345, 460 is a whole different thing for an older free agent.
0: Yeah. That fourth year at age, you know, 32, 33 is going to be pretty bad. And just, it makes no sense for Orlando to sign a guy like him at his age. You thought that maybe things would be different there and they would try to sign guys who had some more upside, were young, could maybe be part of the next good magic team, or at least would be tradable asset contracts. And uh, no, Joe Ingles on a four year 60 million dollar deal probably not uh i'm gonna say i mean now it does show you just how weak this market is at the three a guy who can shoot and play passable defense you know good position defense not a guy with the athleticism to really be you know guard the best guys but you know knows the, the angles and has done oak okay, you know did a, a semi-competent job on you know guys like jj reddick no he did more than competent job on jj reddick uh but you know competent job on chris paul and you know but like he's 29 you know if you were 26 all right i get it i could see that type of an offer maybe even a little bit more but yeah not not for a 29 year old and i'm i thought i was like one of the highest guys on joe ingles uh, but yeah i mean that would just be crazy stupid money
1: can i promote a few things or are we done
0: no no we got to go through uh, oh the cap space for the everybody space. yeah uh, the space that everyone has i'm actually one thing should keep in mind oh number one dunked on merchandise available again. Go to NateDuncanNBA.com. There's a a link on the top of the page. So t-shirts, mugs, available again. Got another printing worth of 100 of those, so so get yours quick. And then also our Patreon page, Uh, I have been quite active. Danny has been lazy, but that's okay. He does most of the work on it other than that, these times. Every time someone signs, I am basically going to be posting what their salary looks like You know, multiple times a day, I probably posted like 15 times today, including I'll be posting lists of the available free agents, posting an entire cap projection for the whole league of each team, how much space I project them as having left. So it's going to be a great resource for you. I really encourage you to subscribe and, and keep that up as well. We're going to plan some fun stuff for the dog days during the summer as well. And all right, I'll I'll leave it up to you to promote some stuff now. So I had after and th- we'll do that, and then we'll run through the caps. Sure.
1: So I had three pieces that came out in the last twenty four or so hours. I did a designated veteran piece for the CBA encyclopedia at Real GM. I did a uh, the I call it the space race. I've done the last couple of years of basically the total amount of of money in the league this year being about four hundred million compared to one billion last year. And then I did a piece on the financial part of Gordon Hayward, something you and I have talked about. I wanted to write the piece a month ago. I wrote it today and kind of was reflecting on the difference between a three plus one and a four plus one for him financially and how it sets up his next contract. So I went through uh, went through all those. And also something that we should mention just because I'm thinking of it now and almost forgot, Summer League starts tomorrow. And for me, the headliner of Orlando Summer League day one, if he actually plays, is Dennis Smith versus Frank Nokina in the battle, in the first kind of no, like no, revenge Dennis, game.
0: Dennis Smith, wait, doesn't Dallas have two outlets i think dennis smith isn't playing until vegas
1: Boo. never mind then not as excited don't watch orlando summer league then
0: yeah no i'm uh sorry orlando summer league like i do not watch a second of you live because there's just way too much awesome free agency stuff going on so like anybody who plays in the orlando summer league like you're getting watched uh on film later when at the end of this month when we do our summer league prospect wrap up god that seems way too far away right now though i I, we got to get back to this free agency so here's where everyone stands in terms of space. Atlanta, if we take Paul Millsap's cap hold off the books, 28.7 million dollars in space that includes the cap hold of tim hardaway jr who everyone has been telling me by the way that like we were too low on tim hardaway having him get a two plus one for 25 million like way too low and that and people are telling me that like uh hardaway is gonna get like more than tony snell which i think is insane but uh apparently that's what people are saying um boston 26.6 million in space you'll note that that is below the maximum for Gordon and Hayward which is 29.7 million so they would have to perform some gymnastics there either move on from Terry Rozier not bring over uh, Ante Zizic or Gershon Yabisele, or they'd have to trade someone like Marcus Smart uh or you know Smart seeming like maybe the the most logical guy there or Hayward would have to take a little bit less than the max to, to go there as well but with Paul George now not in the picture that seems a little bit less likely. And and for Boston, really, it's like, all right, what the hell are they going to use all these trade assets on now? I mean, the most logical candidate would be Anthony Davis, like a year from now. when he'll have two years left on his contract with the Pels. And perhaps DeMarcus Cousins will have left at that point. But the, the what appears like the likely return of Drew Holiday to... New Orleans also maybe hurts that planet as well. And DeMarcus Cousins has actually been recruiting free agents to New Orleans, so, so he at least seems in on New Orleans uh, for the time being. Brooklyn, $29.9 million in space. That is plenty to offer a full max to KCP or Otto Porter. Their full max would be uh, $24.8 million chicago we mentioned what their story is charlotte is sitting at about seven million below the tax as kp noted in the mock-off season if you fill out their roster with minimums they're only like 2.8 million below the tax so they could make some tax avoidance moves later but not a ton of money there. using their mid-level exception or probably won't have to do maybe even their tax mid-level they would have to use that um but, you know, $3 million, $4 million maybe is the most you'd probably expect them to spend on a backup point guard. And otherwise, they're going to be it's probably going to just be minimums for them. Dallas, you mentioned them. Denver, $34 million in space without Gallo's cap hold. Detroit, right at the the cap right now. But that is without KCP. If KCP gets a max, now you're $5 million over the tax if you're them. Golden State, way over the cap now. $17 million over the cap. And they are about nine million dollars short of the apron remember if you there are a bunch of things that you can do that will cause you to be hard capped at the apron which is six million over the tax line the apron right now is at 125 million bucks basically and if you get a guy in a sign and trade you are hard capped or if you are over it then you can't do a sign trade or if you use your bae or if you use your full mle the full mle 8.4 million your bae is 3.3 3.3 million the only thing you can do if you're going to go over the apron or want to maintain that flexibility is to use your taxpayer mid-level which starts at 5.2 million so almost impossible even if the Warriors don't bring back Iguodala they have no centers really under contract other than Damian Jones right now and they only have nine players under contract so they there's really no way they could avoid going over the apron uh, there's some talk that they would want to avoid that just so that they could do a sign and trade, but uh, that seems nearly impossible after this contract given out to Sean Livingston. Uh, what else we got here, Danny? Are you up to date, or should I just keep going?
1: Uh, I'm not. I'm. I'm not all the way up to date on my sheet. So if you want to keep going, if you have it, um, sure.
0: Okay. So Houston, about five million dollars over. One thing we have not talked about enough for them, I don't think, is the possibility of a sign and trade for them. And they don't have a ton of assets to send out in such a transaction. But, you know, if it were Paul Millsap, he seems like the most logical target for that. You know, they could probably give it the Hawks enough to just entice them to do it, especially if the Hawks aren't really like, you know, that desperate to bring Millsap back. It doesn't seem like it. So now the trade, the salary that would have to go out would probably be either Ryan Anderson or Eric Gordon. And Anderson is probably considered a bad contract, so that, that would be part of the assets that would have to to go out but the Rockets we mentioned they are still 20 million shy of the apron so they got plenty of room to work they can also use their full mid-level 8.4 million and the BAE as well uh, 3.3 million uh, and could maybe even do that in addition to uh, doing a sign and trade uh, so that they've got a lot uh, to do Indiana 25 million we mentioned them the Clippers 10 million over and that is without the cap hold of JJ Redick it appears like Redick is gone they could actually they have full bird rights on him they could actually just pay him especially if his best offer is like you know a one or two year deal but they would be getting into the tax and they're not going to be that good and it seems like reddick just kind of wants to leave anyway. They um, could and also so the do Clippers... a sign and
1: trade just to open up other options for him, but I don't know if there's yeah. another team that wants to do it.
0: Yeah, you know, and maybe yeah. So for someone like Gallinari or something like that. Oh, you're saying a sign and trade for reddick Correct. To try to get something back. Yeah, yeah, that's possible. But the the higher reddick salary gets, the harder it is to do a sign and trade. And also recall that any sign and trade must be at least a three year contract, so that complicates those uh, as well. And Redick, you know, certainly wouldn't want to do like what Keith Bogans did. Back Back in 2013 to facilitate that, where you'd have two non-guaranteed years on the end. That wouldn't be something that he would be interested in doing probably. Uh, if it were at 20 million a year, maybe he would if it hadn't really enough guarantee date. But um anyway, that's enough on the on the Clippers. They'll if they want to get some of these guys that you're if you're hearing them talked about as like having meetings with all these guys, uh, they'll have to either do a sign trade or create some more space somehow. Uh the Lakers still 10.5 million. Probably gonna try, they they might spend that, but probably not for more than one year. Memphis, $4 million under the cap right now, but that does not include anything for Jamichael Green, Zebo, or Tony Allen. And so that basically leaves them about $24 million under the tax to get those guys in. And then, you know, there's still minimums and stuff you got to plan for the rest of your roster. They could open up some room maybe by moving on from someone like Brandon Wright miami 34.5 million in space if they were to move on from wayne ellington who is non-guaranteed but that's after the moratorium 6 million he could be tradable as well but that's their functional amount of space at this point milwaukee we talked about them already minnesota we talked about them already new orleans 12 million dollars that does not include anything for drew Holiday so if they bring him back they will be potentially up against the the luxury tax as well they've got about 32 million dollars to work with before the tax and if holiday starts at something like 25 million a year they will probably not be able to use their full mid-level exception but maybe with cousins you know they might be willing to greenlight the tax and they're another team that in theory could get off of some money but you know it's not great money they don't they, and they actually don't have anything that's like an obvious cut do they i mean i guess a jinso would be the only one but he's still at even has you know two years left on his contract
1: yeah i can't think of any offhand they also just don't have that many guys on the roster
0: yeah yeah so that i mean again when we're talking about the space below the tax line it's like oh yeah you know they could sign one guy well okay you i mean every guy that you sign now is like you know uh, 1.4 million bucks Uh, so that's like what the second year veteran minimum is now even if you're i mean unless you're signing like a rookie Uh, who's going to make eight hundred fifteen thousand? so i mean each roster spot is going to cost you more than a million and then you you know you got to sign 10 days it's going to be difficult for a lot of these teams for sure we're going to see a lot of tax avoidance moves or just non-moves the knicks 16.5 million in space orlando 14.5 million in space assuming that they move on from cj watson who's five million but only a million million guaranteed this season okc we talked about them already phoenix 25 million in space alex len is a 12 million cap hold uh so they'll keep the restricted free agent on the books for now but we'll see what happens there they could just move on from him portland how amazing is this danny portland has more committed salary on the books than cleveland right now
1: yeah and that includes festus azili being off their books
0: yeah festus got waived today as you know we probably knew since like the moment that it he like it was found out that he started having like knee issues last time we figured that that would be the case we didn't mention cleveland by the way but they are just you know they're going to be at the tax permit level they're they're yeah. 30 million over the tax right now or i'm sorry over the cap 10 million over the, the tax portland right now projecting to 36 million over the cap and 16 million over the tax that would lead to a tax payment of 25 million and a team salary plus tax of 158 million i think that would be like the third third or fourth highest ever in nba history for you know your seventh seed in the west looking like maybe the sixth seed that's a team that certainly can't have been i mean i guess some of their competition will be getting worse like utah potentially if if hayward leaves the clippers but then okc and minnesota improving that's not great so they're looking like they're about the same place in the hierarchy maybe denver could get a lot better too if they use their cap space well sacramento 45 million in space the spurs 13 toronto they have 15 million but that includes nothing for their four key free agents lowry ibaka patterson and tucker it seems that patterson is the most likely to depart you would have to imagine that patterson and tucker there's no way they bring back both of those guys Lowry, we haven't really heard any meetings set up for him anywhere else. And Lowry lost yet another potential landing spot with Jeff Teague in Minnesota. So, I mean, like, where what else is out there for Lowry? I mean, the only one we've heard discussed is uh, the Leverages
1: serving their role but yeah yeah I have it and Philly he's he lost another tough one with Philly drafting getting up to Markel Holtz. I mean that was I mean he's lost a on
0: Brooklyn like there's a ton of like I mean there's really uh, Dallas and and the Knicks even with Neil Aquino though they didn't have a ton of space to begin with I mean there's really the only team I think you know if Toronto is like all right we're gonna pay you four years 25 million and that it actually wouldn't shock me if they start even with a lower offer than that I think the only place out there that is going to beat that offer is uh, Sacramento. You see anywhere
1: else? I do not. I really don't. And also, think about the, as we get further into the off season, the mechanics of a team clearing that space, because we're talking about clearing space for Kyle Lowry for almost every team, those get harder because it gets, you get teams commit more salary and there are fewer places to send excess money than there would be at this exact moment.
0: And, you know, it's funny if Chicago hadn't traded Jimmy Butler, and then just like signed a point guard, like maybe they could have gotten in the mix for a lot. It was reported that uh, Jimmy Butler was trying to recruit him. George Hill. They could have. They, they could have been like the number three seed in the East this year.
1: And th- and then that that probably would have, and they would have gotten a better offer for Jimmy Butler because they they weren't going to get a worse one.
0: Anyway, Utah eleven million in space now. If they lose Hayward, if not, they're up against the tax. And then Washington, they basically have. 3.5 million in space but that includes nothing for porter or bogdanovich they're two restricted free agents and so they'll have about 24 million to work with before the tax and they may actually go into the tax a little bit so if if porter gets maxed out then they're right at it but for washington i mean i think they're really they want it even if they can knock you know 2 million bucks off of porter's salary that's actually something that they're very interested in doing i would imagine and then for the Wizards and the one thing about the Wizards at least is like they don't have that many free agents so they're pretty close to fielding a full team they don't have to fill out that many roster spots once they bring back Porter and if they if Boyan Bogdanovich moves on it was actually reported that Bogdanovich was looking for 15 million a year that's obviously completely insane he's not going to get that unless it's for like one year or you know maybe two by the way uh, every free agent restricted free agent offer sheet must be at least two years, but you know maybe he would have his qualifying offer pulled if or under if the Wizards decide, hey, we can actually get better value than him with the tax pyramid level, which actually wouldn't shock me uh, to see that. And, and and there's nothing that's stopping them from using the tax pyramid level and resigning Bogdanovich other than just you know Ted Leonsis's pocketbook, but th- that's understandable. <sighs> All right, we done? Yes. All right, don't forget about our sponsors today: Transistor with uh, Dunked On Listener. Jay Ratkowski, go to jfet.io, jfet.io slash Capspace to find more about their services. And getquip.com slash Capspace is your URL to get started with the beautiful Quip electric toothbrush. Oh, by the way, we'll be back every single night at Free Agency, and we'll probably be doing another awesome two-hour pod tomorrow night. I can't wait. Talk to y'all then.
1: Walmart Plus members save on Meeting Up With Friends.